0: What's going on you obtusely organic octopuses, welcome to this week's episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm joined as always by the wondrous Will, also known as Hootafunk.
1: How's it going James? Good to be here for another week? Yeah,
0: not too bad man, not too bad. Ready to go. We've got some cool stuff to talk about this week, man.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for what we've got coming up in store.
0: Listeners are probably wondering what that is. Well, let me tell you. We've got our catch-up as usual, and then we go into some gaming news where we've got some early access issues, but then some potential spoilers of a big title, which could be coming a lot earlier than I expected, certainly. And then we round out the news with a new announcement from Meta. New piece of hardware, maybe? Mm. Finally curtailing the episode with... Completionist Corner, what are we playing this week? Stick around to find out. But first, let's hit them socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode.
1: We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode.
0: You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word.
1: Or you can find me at Hudafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames on underscore tpm so will i'm actually going to be a little bit unconventional this week and go first because i have no catch up this week because i've been away on holiday
1: oh jeez. okay well i mean that is a good excuse i must
0: say so the only thing i've been able to play this week is our uh, completionist corner game so i'm going to hand it over to you man what have you been up to this week
1: so this week i've actually had a pretty productive week in terms of the catch up as listeners are probably aware i've been working away on the Season 3 Battle Pass in the background. I haven't really talked about it too much in the last few episodes. However, I think that it's probably worth noting that with about a couple weeks to spare, I've actually finally managed to complete the Battle Pass.
0: Hey, you got there!
1: I started on about 80-ish percent and uh, managed to grind out those last 20 coins. And I earned most of those points in the Battle Royale Resurgence mode, which is a three or four player mode where you will land in at the same time very similar to a regular battle royale however if one of your squad mates dies a timer starts off and as long as the rest of the team or even one member of the team is alive by the end of that time the person will actually respawn so it's kind okay. of like last man standing but you also keep coming back in so long as at least one member of your team survives
0: okay that's an interesting mechanic.
1: You still get the gas cloud coming in as it shrinks but during that section you also need to be battling other teams and it's a bit more frantic than the battle royale because as I mentioned earlier you respawn coming in on your parachute again so you end up facing off with a lot of other teams and it's very frequent that you'll be losing your position because suddenly someone's parachuted into a building nearby you. By looting things and opening boxes uh, damaging and shooting other players all of that will reduce the time it takes for you to respawn. However, I think around the sort of 10-15 minute marks to the game, the resurgence thing ends, so you're no longer able to get your teammates to spawn in after that timer. So as it comes down to the final few teams, usually around the top 10, the respawn resurgence ends, and then the only way you can get your team back is the conventional way, which is to somehow find $4,000, take it to a buy station, and then you click on the teammate, you want to come back. And you can still buy them in like that, provided that uh, the gas hasn't consumed all of the buy stations. But that's the only way you can do it after the respawn resurgence timer ends.
0: Okay, that does sound exactly like the Gulag then, basically, in terms of the mechanic. They've just yeah, replaced absolutely, yeah. the Gulag with nothing. You just so long as one of your teammates is alive you come straight back
1: yeah absolutely that yeah but that does change up the dynamic of it and it also makes the games a little longer and a little more fun also it really does put the pressure on you if you are the last guy in your squad watching all of your teammates timers yeah. count down and you're kind of sat in the corner of a room just holding it down
0: yes how many controllers are going to be broken by people throwing their controller into
1: the wall it's like i had one second left yeah that does happen pretty frequently as well because of that you really do need to hunt down these teams that kind of presses the urgency of not just killing one person and then moving on but if you have started to engage with the squad you really want to hunt all of them down otherwise you just know that you're going to immediately lose your position to them as they all slowly land on a roof nearby
0: yeah nice so imagine it gets really frantic as well and this is probably exactly what you need when you're grinding out experience to complete a battle pass.
1: Well, the Battle Royale and the DMZ are definitely two of the best ways to earn experience points. Also, over the bank holiday weekend, we also got a double XP event, which boosts your battle pass, weapon, and player XP. So I was just kind of coupling and making the most of that throughout those three days to finally push myself to the end with some days to spare.
0: Nice, nice. And what sort of stuff did you unlock with your battle pass?
1: Yeah, I got like a, a bunch of skins, mostly themed around the battle pass, which is kind of like a black and gold theme if you buy the additional premium battle pass version that we talked about earlier so for that whenever you unlock uh like one of the skins on the battle pass you also unlock a black and gold variant and one of the default operators that you unlock straight away on the battle pass i wasn't a big fan of his skin so shamelessly i finally i actually had to get to 100 percent to unlock a different skin for him so now he's playable to me because oh, nice. uh yeah i wasn't vibing with uh, with his look before yeah fashion souls fashion souls exactly that yeah cool of fashion cool of fashion for sure cool of fashion, Cooler fashion. Yeah. I've also kind of neglected to mention that I actually got a cheeky three wins in one day on that mode, with actually two of those times being me carrying the team.
0: Nice. Was that with the boys or that was randoms? Yeah, it was
1: randoms. Probably best it was randoms
0: because otherwise you'd just be brutally calling out the boys. I'd have f***ing carry them for two games. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I did manage to uh, to win those carrying the team. I think one game ended up with eight kills, one game ended up with seven kills. So yeah, I was feeling pretty good. Uh, I don't know if that is a large amount of kills to get for resurgence because as I say it can be really quite fast and furious and as you've got people parachuting in the whole time throughout the game until the very last few minutes you just never know if someone's going to immediately land on you and start attacking you, meleeing you, or something like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially if you've got a nice gun, become a target.
1: Absolutely that. And when you're parachuting in, and you've got, a lot of your team are still on the ground, and you're landing in with a pistol, you've really got nothing to lose at that point, so you might as well, I mean, sometimes, you get someone that will just, try and land straight on top of you, and then just, furiously melee you to death <laughs> yeah. oh i got got a few times but uh but not most of the time thankfully yeah no you got to keep a little smg on you for stuff like that
0: exactly. you only got got because your back was sore from carrying <laughs>
1: <laughs> i like it yes i'll take that in other catch up news this week, I also managed to finally get my ass into gear and play a little RE4.
0: Oh, it's been a minute.
1: Yeah, it really has. So, uh, I can't remember where we actually got up to on the podcast. Did I uh... I think it was you just
0: beaten El Gigante.
1: Okay, you're talking okay. about Dogo. That was right, that was right. So, I progressed through that area now. I met up with Chief Mendez, uh who is the uh the big cheese, the big village cheese. So you have the big barn fight with Mendez where he kind of starts splitting in half and he gets all sort of crazy tentacle daggers out his back and stuff.
0: Yeah, centipede boy.
1: Yeah, that was a good fight. It was very similar to the original one with a slight kind of shift in the way that the arena worked. But you still had similar mechanics in terms of if you climb up the ladder, you have to dodge the swiping attacks that he does. Uh, You can jump down to avoid them. You can also parry certain stabby attacks that he does. Uh, And there are other ones that you need to dodge. You can't parry every single attack. The sweeping ones you need to dodge and the kind of the pokies you can parry. And once again, that new dynamic in the game is proving to be really fun and really effective as well. I've made sure that throughout the game consistently, the knife is my kind of number one upgraded thing in terms of durability.
0: Yeah, given what you've said and what I've seen of um, gameplay live, I can believe it. The parry mechanic looks really fun. Yeah, it's great. So you want your knife durability to stay up so that you can keep doing it for as long as possible.
1: Along the way as well in that game, I've noticed that you start to unlock a few more aesthetic things for your characters. So as I discussed, I think the first time we brought up this, game there is a fair few different skins for the characters all of them are pretty wacky and outrageous which is cool but there are also accessories for the characters leon gets like a pair of shades ashley can get like a pair of red sunglasses or you can change her hair color and things like that so there are kind of minor appearance changes as well as costumes in the game so i've been having a little fun with finding those you can find a lot of them just throughout the game by exploring
0: resident fashion
1: resident fashion yeah this has been a little fashion week what's your fashion so you're fighting
0: mendez you've got phase one where he's a centipede boy do you still have phase two where he swings through the rafters
1: yeah absolutely uh yeah he splits in two after you kind of shoot him in half he has a, an exposed eye kind of on the back of his neck
0: yeah and you shoot it with a rocket launcher and he's dead in one shot yeah i know yeah. how that's <laughs> that goes
1: man yeah, yeah. i got it do you even, you don't the even the need to hit the eye you can just early. hit him in the belly Oh, I did you did okay oh yeah you must yeah. have bought it early that uh, cause I was just thinking yeah I, I never really think about the rocket launcher until you get the free one in the castle that's that's the one that I tend to use so <laughs> yeah because
0: that swing swinging through the rafters is awful He's too quick and too unpredictable. Is it the same in the remake?
1: Uh, he is quite unpredictable, but at the same time, I think the shooting mechanics are easier in this one. They're more conventional in terms of a modern sense, so yeah,
0: that's true. it
1: is easier to hit him. I think I managed to do the majority of this boss fight with the Red 9 actually and it was only when i started to get a little low on health items i thought i'll I'll switch to the shotgun i think i fired once on the shotgun and that ended the phase two so awesome
0: nice and can you parry any of phase two as well that probably helps a lot if you can
1: there are bits that you can parry but again i think there's also bits that you have to dodge so you can't just be reliant on pressing the parry button every time that you think you're about to get attacked sometimes you do need to wait because bringing that knife up will delay your dodge because as you need to put the knife away you know so after beating Mendez, you pretty much, very shortly after there, move on to the castle. You, much like the original game, use his eyeball to plug it into a wall, and uh, that gets you straight through.
0: Yeah, just mush his eye against the wall.
1: Uh, at that point... People who remember the original game, you also have a brush with Ada along the way, and that scene is done a lot better, the interaction between Ada and Leon. You can see that they're trying to depict much more of a progression from Leon from Resident Evil 2 up to now. Obviously, the start of the game explains some of the time between, but the way that they interact with each other now is kind of like on a different level. Uh, And they have a little cool, you know, tussle. They're not quite wrestling, what do you call it, (laughs) like... Kind of like Gun Carter, dry dude, humping. I don't. No, 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 <laughs> no. Gun Carter. <laughs> like, um, I've just got my hand like in the shape like a gun. I like, yeah, I can't, yeah, no, I can't say those words without. Gun it, like, Hunter. A gun. What? No, Gun Carter, dude. You need to uh, watch Equilibrium. Everyone, uh, stop listening to this podcast and go watch Equilibrium, and then come back to the podcast and listen to the rest, and then go back and listen to it twice. Yeah, yeah. Covered. Yeah. I'm covered. five
0: stars where you're at. It. Where yeah, are you?
1: five stars, comments, reviews, all the things. Thank you. Thank you, please. So the castle? (laughs) So the castle. uh, Uh, So we worked our way into the castle. Uh, One of the more memorable bits in there is you're fighting the claw guy, as you'll remember from the first game, the guy that is blind. blind. Yeah, has the uh, the claw hands. They don't give you a bell in this fight, or at least I didn't encounter one. Uh, So you're mostly, again, because the controls are better, it's slightly easier to hit his weak spot and maneuver around him. But that was quite a challenge. I got beheaded several times during that, mostly due to the fact that I think what the game wants you to do is you encounter him, he chases you down a bit of a corridor, and then you appear in the arena. Whereas in the original one, it was pretty much like he just emerges out of a small room and then you have the arena.
0: Yeah, because it's as if he's locked up, isn't he? He's like in a cell, almost.
1: It's exactly that. It's still like that, but the corridor to get to him is a little longer. And for whatever reason, I didn't make the connection that I was supposed to, I guess, run away and lure him back into the arena, so I fought him in this really tight corridor. (laughs) Oh dear. Even on hardcore mode, I think I managed to down him with like one pistol shot to kind of get him into the injured animation, and then it was three more with a sniper rifle, and that was it. So it took me a few goes to get that down. But um yeah, it kind of goes to show, much like the original game with a bit of practice, you can trivialise a lot of these bosses and stuff. Or or RPG them. Did you RPG <laughs> that guy? I can't remember. You probably wouldn't have had one at this point or wouldn't have been able to afford one, I imagine, at that point.
0: Oh no, I wouldn't have used it on him anyway. It's just a mob.
1: Yeah. yeah a bosses mob. only.
0: I never used it on mobs. Because yeah, 30,000 Pseyas.
1: Yeah, it's a pricey, pricey purchase. So while we're in the castle, uh, I might as well talk a little bit about the mechanics with Ashley. Uh, So as I mentioned before, you have two modes, one where she kind of hangs back a little bit and follows you and one where she stays close in this mode as well uh she also reacts to you aiming your gun a lot better she ducks and gets out of the way uh, a lot better than the original ashley did thank god she does stand there still a little bit and get grabbed but i think that that's kind of still fairly par for the course i mean you probably don't want to let the person you're trying to rescue get surrounded by guys anyway so if you're if you're letting that happen yeah. she... <laughs> But I have found that as well, uh, it's honestly not too much of a problem as long as you tell her to stay close because whenever you fire your gun, she just pulls up right behind you. So that's really useful as well. The one thing that I have noticed, I think I've previously praised the uh, voice acting for this character and they've done a much better job in terms of getting her character across, making her sound much less whiny and annoying and sound like a real person. And, And that is obviously a step forward. But one thing I have noticed that there is some excessive panting and huffing whenever you're sprinting around a room sometimes. It's, it's constant, and it's a little off-putting. I don't want to turn the dialogue down too much, because I still want to hear what they have to say, but I do notice constantly that you've just got this noise of Ashley panting and puffing in the background, and it's just... I mean, Leon does it as well, but her one seems to overtake yours, or maybe it's just my ears are more deaf to Leon's as I've been running around the entire game with them. I don't know, but... uh... She's probably more unfit. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. It's just a little uh, jarring to be constantly happening. I feel like they could just tone that down a little bit. For no reason in particular, it's just... uh... Again, it's just one of those things that I've noticed.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Don't want that in your ears.
1: So the main antagonist in the castle section, uh, as people know, is obviously Salazar. Leon and his relationship remains pretty much the same. Uh, Leon is very uh, kind of dismissive of anything that Salazar has to say. And Salazar's kind of running this like this is a freaky game show. So it's uh, all of that is still very much present in there. They've done a really, really good job on the castle sound design as well. This one, it feels a lot more ominous. It feels like there's a constant enemy presence in the castle because you can constantly hear chanting and ringing throughout all of the corridors a lot of the time as you're walking through. And although it's background sounds, it's very hard to tell if you're about to walk into a room full of guys or it is just the general ambience of the castle and various whispering voices and things. So it puts you on edge constantly, which is really clever.
0: Nice that is, yeah, there's a nice touch.
1: So man, other than that, that's pretty much me for the week. Uh, without going into too much detail, which I'll leave for another week, uh, that's me done for the catch-up.
0: Nice. Well, it sounds like you're having fun. Look forward to hearing more about RE4 as you get further through it. With all that said and done, why don't we move on over to the news? So our first news story this week... Diablo 4 early access players are experiencing major connection issues.
1: I don't believe it. After the invitation to come and crush their servers, their last statement on this, major connection issues being kind of the number one thing that people are talking about at the moment. It's not great, is it?
0: Not a great look at all. So according to multiple sources, early access players of Blizzard's action RPG Diablo 4 are reporting that they've been experiencing problems connecting to the game. For context, those who purchased the bringer-of-all-death balls-out-reaper-slice edition of the game can begin playing today at the time of recording.
1: That is a... was Is that a... Uh, have you That's taken a little bit of creative, no. li- creative licence there on the... <laughs> bringer of all deaf balls out reaper slice edition reaper slice what's that about
0: okay AK okay, oh, i just made it on,
1: man. oh it's all ad-libbing okay jesus christ <laughs> sorry dude i didn't mean to pick <laughs> pick this apart
0: no, that's right just, i think it's called the deluxe edition i thought that was boring okay so spice it
1: up. <laughs> fine do you know what honestly i probably would buy the deaf balls out reaper slice edition over the over the deluxe edition or the ultimate yeah. evil edition
0: but yeah, so no, um, that's four days early. So uh, those who bought the Deluxe Edition have the privilege of playing the game four days early, similar to what I had with Hogwarts Legacy when I bought it and got it to play three days early. But apparently, login errors seem to be a major issue across all platforms, although it seems most prevalent on the PlayStation 4 and 5.
1: Okay, refreshing to hear that uh, PC players aren't the ones getting f***ed. But uh, no, they, they still you know, might be. it's not great news. <laughs> so uh, we're getting, getting less f-ed. We're not getting the most f-ed. It sounds like, <laughs> honestly, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll take a, a pinch of good news whenever I can get it at this stage
0: yeah you're really trying to find the diamond in the rough yeah but but so what are these issues we're talking long queues frequent crashes licensing issues which is really concerning and just general difficulty connecting to battle.net but i presume that's probably high demand on the servers because this game's really hyped so
1: it is but as you say this is the early access thing so you know just how what just what percentage of players that are going to ultimately end up slamming the servers uh actually bought the bringer of all death balls out reaper slice edition of the game like that can't be all of them you're going to obviously expect there to be a sudden what was it like four or six days of advanced play so there's going to be like a a big extra tide of players then joining after that as well so uh and the servers are already getting slammed this is not not a good sign at all
0: well it doesn't say everyone to be fair mm-hmm. it just says a lot of people but uh, is it a sign that the game's popular or is it just another dodgy launch that is the question either way just need to get it sorted
1: yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) whoever is on this now is going to be working overtime I pity that guy or gal
0: well as it goes I know someone who is playing it currently literally as we record I know someone who is playing it and uh, so far so good as far as I can tell but he is on PC shout out to George
1: oh nice he went for the uh, he went for the bringer of all death balls out Rufus Lice Edition of the game (laughs) I'm not letting it go James let it go
0: So moving on to our second story of the week, potential GTA 6 spoilers? So, we may not have seen GTA 6 at the recent PlayStation Showcase, however when asked on a live stream what was currently known about the game, gaming journalist Tyler McVicker stated, we already know how GTA 6 is going to end. Spoilers, Bonnie and Clyde back in like the 30s died in a blaze of gunfire. It's not three playable characters, it's two playable characters. It takes place with a time jump. It takes place in the Miami, Florida area, and then also part of Cuba. It's about the drug trade. It's about bank robbing. It'll be out in 2024. Big statement. Big statements.
1: Yeah, lots of statements in there. I mean, some of this is, you know, pretty much already been confirmed as well. He might have slipped that in to sort of add legitimacy to the statement. You'd have to be pretty confident uh, in order to come out, otherwise, you know, people would clearly start questioning your integrity as a journalist if you're just spouting nonsense. So, uh, I mean, again, this is the the internet world we live in. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so for a bit of context on that point, McVicker has uh, has had a solid track record for leaks in the past, although they have mostly been focused on games and projects from Valve, which I believe where he used to work however a lot of what he has mentioned is already common knowledge as you've just said there right so you know we knew it was going to be in vice city in miami we knew it was probably going to be a bonnie and clyde type deal with two characters rather than three although i think you know a third one could have been in the works we don't know the things that are interesting for me about it is the time jump and it will be out in 2024 the Cuba thing's also cool, but they kind of have precedent with that, because didn't they kind of do that um, with Red Dead? Well, I don't think it was Cuba, but didn't they have, like, Mexico or something?
1: Uh, so Red Dead 1 had Mexico, and then Red Dead 2. I can't remember the name of the island, but I think it was an island off of Cuba. Is it
0: Guaja or something? Yeah,
1: yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah, so that the Cuba thing's really cool, but it doesn't surprise me as much. But Time Jump... That's gonna be interesting
1: yeah, so I'm really interested to see what plot B that centers around and obviously as we know you know it's a it's a man and a woman in relationship in this game where does that time jump happen does that time jump happen like shortly after they meet does it focus on when they meet and then there's a time jump towards when they're actually I guess, you know, robbing everything. Or is that time jump going to happen that they are a pre-established relationship in the game and then something happens? Maybe one of them dies. or Maybe they have a, like, uh, you know, a breakup or something. And then we have this big time skip forward where something needs to happen between them to reconcile or something, you know, where is this going in terms of plot?
0: I'm envisaging in my head at least some sort of, you start the game as like them at the tail end of their careers, they're getting on a bit and they've come on bad times and they've got to do one last job and then you go back in time and replay all of their previous jobs so you can sort of learn their story, get an idea of who they are and then your final mission is them like doing their final heist as like older people and then maybe one of them dies or something. That would, that would be my speculative arc. If you like,
1: I don't think that's particularly typical of Rockstar storytelling, but I like the take on it. I think that it's nice. It definitely follows kind of like a bit more of like a Guy Ritchie style movie uh, in terms of like telling stories from different perspectives, slightly different times, and then linking them all back. I uh, I do, I like the sound of that, and it would be cool if the game was. I just, I'm just struggling to think of an example where Rockstar has done something like that before. Well, they sort
0: of did it in GTA five in terms of the tutorial mission is a heist from back in the day, right? And then it sort of, goes into more modern day yeah 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 no is that's right?
1: absolutely right so yeah uh, the, i think the initial heist is set something like 10 or five years before and yeah. then it goes it jumps into the modern day yeah, yeah yeah that's right
0: so they've got precedent in terms of the concept but not for a whole game if you see what i mean
1: not for a whole game or not for them to to link it back where they kind of initiate something then go back in time and then come back to the present sort of thing that's a bit more that that's like a time skip skip
0: yeah <laughs> sort of, cool
1: yeah which again, I'm I'm behind, but uh, yeah, no, I think that a good point about GTA 5 in terms of the fact that they do have a uh, an initial heist. It'd be really interesting to see uh, what actually ends up coming out with this game. Uh, I'm interested, same as you, about the time skip. I think that that is definitely has quite a few implications in terms of where the story could go or what might happen.
0: But even more sort of interesting to me, really, is it's going to come out in 2024. I wasn't expecting this to be until like 2026,
1: 2025 of the very earliest. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah.
0: staggered that that would be the case that means that in at most a year and a half you could be playing it that seems too early to me
1: one thing that rockstar definitely has a precedence for is delaying its major titles until they are goddamn good and ready to come out so it might be currently internally slated for a 2024 release that might slip as in that will probably slip i think we're looking at 2025
0: feels ambitious to me 2025. very
1: ambitious given the the sneak and the leaks that we saw earlier this year
0: yeah but how old is that footage now now how can we speculate how old that footage is now if they're saying 2024 who knows it's interesting
1: and our final news story
0: today the meta quest 3 is announced and it's due to release later on this year exciting news potentially as the owner of a quest two
1: will it's definitely pricked my ears i mean i kind of do feel like uh, that meme of the dude that's walking down the street holding the hand of his girlfriend but <laughs> to looking over his shoulder just turning back at quest three yeah exactly yeah. i really like my quest two it does everything i need it to do but then at the same time some of the specs that i'm hearing about here in terms of like an improved resolution and you know f- field of view and stuff uh, in the goggles the fact there's a lot more lightweight all of these things do appeal to me it just does it justify the price tag, but I'll let you cover that in a second.
0: After months of being nothing more than rumour, we finally have some information on the MetaQuest 3 VR headset. Apparently it will be released in fall of this year at a price point of $499. Specifications on the new unit haven't yet been shared, but Meta have said that the Quest 3 will be 40% thinner and more comfortable.
1: Yeah, I think that it did have uh, some criticisms over the weight of the unit, and it's kind of seen for a lot of people, not me personally, but it's kind of seen that an additional head support is pretty mandatory for one of these headsets for long-term use. So, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. again, that will appeal to that crowd.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't actually say any of that, though. It just says it'll be thinner and more comfortable. It doesn't mention anything about being lighter. doesn't mention anything about being more stable. So I hope that you're right there. But also, it's going to have better displays and resolution and double the graphical performance, which is a big statement, but also should be good.
1: Yeah, I want to benchmark that. Can it play Half-Life Alex, I think, is the main question. If it can do that, that suggests to me that it's powerful enough to do everything that i wanted to do for the long term
0: well the thing that i was most pleased to see is that it will also be fully backwards compatible with the meta quest 2 headset in its games apparently
1: oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah they've got quite a good lock on their library now and uh it's kind of operating similar to ios they just keep updating the titles to keep up you
0: know it would have been awful if they'd gone the sony route and not have any backwards compatibility oh geez whatsoever.
1: yeah <laughs> but of
0: course a good byproduct of all of this as well is that meta is also going to reduce the price of the quest 2 so effective June 4th, the 128 gigabyte unit will be reduced to $299, apparently, and the 256 gigabyte version will drop to $349. Now, I'm not going to lie, I don't know what the price is normally, but presumably it's nearer the $499 that the Quest 3 is being priced at. But no, so it all, all sounds very positive, but it remains to be seen whether this will actually be the case. Fall isn't too far away, man. You know, we're looking at three months, four months.
1: Ah, fall, autumn, the smell of cum in the air that's a callback for our early listeners so in this article it actually states that linden trees smell like cum linden trees smell like cum (laughs)
0: yeah it is I think that about does it for the news for this week so why don't we move on over to completionist corner
1: Here we go for the Completionist's Corner. Corner.
0: Corner. So, Completionist's Corner this week, new game. What is it, I hear you ask? It's Undertale.
1: Yes, Undertale. Very excited to get stuck into this game.
0: Yes, so a little bit about this game came out in 2015 developed by a toby fox and uh was very highly critically acclaimed when it came out i believe i think it's got um one of its scores i forget whether it's metacritic or another is 94 out of 100 which given that it's eight years later is pretty mad
1: yeah i mean it's actually sold over 1 million copies just to give you an idea of how many people have played this small 2d rpg
0: yeah really did well
1: for good reason i think for the most part
0: so yeah so without further ado let's get into it we start off telling the story of how it all began long ago two races ruled over the earth humans and monsters one day a war broke out between the two races and after a long battle the humans were victorious seven of their greatest magicians confined the monsters to the underground with a magical barrier many years after the war we the protagonist human child, climb the mountain for shits and giggles. Mischievous little bastard that we are. It is said that those who climb the mountain never return, but that doesn't stop us. Almost predictably given our gung-ho approach, we fall down a hole on the mountain, beginning our story.
1: Having fallen onto a bed of golden flowers, our adventure begins in an area called the ruins. We immediately meet a sadistic flower called Flowey who attempts to kill us, seemingly for his own amusement. I really like the sprite for Flowey. He's very cute, sort yeah. of you almost your classic yellow smiley face, although it's uh, it's a pixelated game. I think he's just white on the uh on, on the cutscenes that he's in. Cutscenes is generous or more like as I said on his sprite. But I do like the kind of the transformation that he makes as well. There's a slight yeah. evil behind it and uh yeah. There's a massive evil Get behind it. Get into that shortly. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Thankfully, Flowey is stopped from killing us by another monster by the name of Toriel, who instantly comes across as a friendly, almost mother-like character. Uh, Toriel looks like a kind of like a cow lady, I guess is the best. Uh, I always thought goat,
0: but yeah, goat. Yeah, sort of yeah some goats maybe with oh, like sheep ears. Horns. Yeah,
1: yeah, she's a mixture of herd animals, but bipedal. <laughs> yeah, but bipedal. Yeah,
0: and in a dress.
1: So, in what acts as a tutorial of sorts, Toriel teaches us how to solve puzzles and resolve conflicts in the underground.
0: Yes, and there was sort of a variety of puzzles throughout this game. She sort of takes us through, I guess, various examples of what we can expect, which is floors and routes that you can't see any barriers, but you have to walk through them in a certain order, otherwise you'd get hurt, or you might get an encounter or something like that, or you're just simply blocked off. Um, we see puzzles where you have to flick certain switches but not others. We push some boulders around onto certain switches to move spike gates and things of that nature. The usual sort of puzzle fare.
1: Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Uh, the thing that stands out in this game over the puzzles is more the kind of the vibe of the game and the game's sense of humour as well. It's definitely not overstated, loud type of humour But it's immediately got a type of quirk to it, this game, which hooked me in quite nicely.
0: Yes, and it develops nicely as the story goes on too. Absolutely. The more characters you meet, and particularly with the run that I did, there's some really quite funny moments, but we'll get into those as they come.
1: And although there is a lot of block sliding and activating of pressure plates, some of the puzzles in this game do get you to think outside the box, or even just kind of almost uh, like a slightly Resident Evil style of puzzle as well, where you've got to kind of pick up an item and maybe hold on to it for later. It might You initially might be able to consume it or use it, but it might be best held on to for later so that it'll have a specific use. So as well as the game's puzzles, there's also a combat system. And this activates very much kind of, I guess a bit like a Pokemon game really, where you're walking around. Very much around.
0: like a Pokemon game. That was the description I was going to use. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So you get these sort of random encounters as you wander around and you also get various NPCs and boss characters that you fight throughout the game. Now this is a very kind of, I would say a pretty unconventional style of combat that initially presents itself as very conventional. So when you're looking at the initial fight screen you get four main buttons to start off with and you're typically facing the main character on the screen. The four buttons being fight which allows you to proceed on with an attack using your equipped weapon. You have the act button which I assume stands for action and that is Kind of it'll give you an array of commands. You can either check the enemy or you can perform various actions. Those actions are dependent on the enemy that you're facing and might include things such as flirt, threaten,
0: pet. There are all sorts. Too many to list, believe me. Again, the run that I used used these a lot.
1: The remaining two buttons are the item screen where you can have a look in your backpack and use various healing items for your character. And the fourth button is the mercy button, which enables you to either run away from the fight or if you've progressed the fight far enough, you can actually spare certain enemies in the game as well.
0: Not quite far enough. You have to do certain actions in a very specific order in a lot of the fights to unlock the ability to spare.
1: I think it's a lot harder to spare certain enemies than others i think some can just be achieved through essentially like petting them repeatedly for instance
0: yeah no yeah it is but you have to know how many times to pet them and stuff as well
1: yeah the game gives you a bit of a prompt uh like the, the dialogue essentially it runs out of things to say almost then it'll say something like it shows no signs of stopping or whatever and at that point That's your kind of cue to to do it, I think.
0: But there are some that are crazy. You just wouldn't believe the sort of combinations you have to do to get certain things to work.
1: So already this game is presenting us with a combat option as well as a list of all sorts of wacky ways to get yourself out of combat as well, which I really appreciated. So after you click the fight button, once you get into it, you are a heart on the screen. That heart on the screen will be subjected to various projectile points. And you'll have enemy projectiles coming in, usually into a white rectangle that your heart is surrounded by. And you need to use your WASD or your joystick to move the heart around the white rectangle, either avoiding projectiles. In some cases, you'll need to not be moving while a projectile passes across you. In other cases, you'll need to be moving while a projectile passes across you and it essentially presents quite a few different mini games some of them are just avoiding projectiles some of them involve you kind of doing a bit of like a flappy bird style game and uh, and another one involves you uh, actually shooting as well so it mixes up the gameplay but a lot of the things you're doing on screen aren't necessarily representative of the combat that's actually going on so before you actually activate the mini game mode there is like a brief Almost like a perfect tennis swing or like a perfect golf club swing in those video games. There's a sweet spot right in the middle of the bar and there's a white bar that's traveling across it and you need to get it as close to the center of the bar as possible to maximize your damage and then the mini game begins where you start to avoid their projectiles. That's the way that they trade. Um, You do your attack and then they trade their attack as well.
0: So having given us a mobile phone... Toriel leaves us on our own to head home for a surprise. She tells us to stay put, however, being the naughty child that we are, we ignore her instructions and head off through the ruins, encountering monsters and puzzles along the way. So at this point, I've got to ask Will, when Toriel rang you and asked what flavour you wanted, butterscotch or cinnamon, what did you pick?
1: Oh, I went for cinnamon. Ah, Cinnamon pie.
0: I went for butterscotch. Did you? How, How nice. Very good.
1: Both sides of the coin already covered there. I'm sure that will have major implications for later on in the game.
0: <laughs> a little spoiler there, but we eventually arrive at a house, which turns out to be Toriel's, and as we've just mentioned there, she's inside making us a pie. That was the surprise. It wasn't a very well-hidden surprise, to be fair. She's like, so if I was going to bake a pie, uh, would you prefer butterscotch or cinnamon?
1: Doesn't it end up that she's made us a pie that just has both anyway? <laughs> I
0: think that's what she sort of says. It's like a, a scotch or butter. Yeah, or butter yeah, whatever, when you get but- it. <laughs> but in my inventory it just said butterscotch Oh right, okay. when I had the slice so I don't know whether it actually was but yeah she made us a pie and it was good times and actually like given the graphics of the game it actually looked like quite a tasty pie
1: mm. I, they've, I mean this game is very pixely and it kind of emulates that sort of it's not even SNES graphics it really is kind of NES level of graphics in there and that's the only thing I can quite compare it to but they've done an astounding job of actually crafting some of these characters and making them look so recognisable the artwork is something that really stands out in this game, and uh, it definitely really contributes to its overall personality.
0: Yeah, so shout-outs to Toby Fox and all those that contributed, because I uh, was watching the credits, and I know that a lot of people were involved in that, so fair play. So with Pie and tow, we speak to her, and she is under the impression that we're going to stay with her. However, we, naturally, want to head back to the surface, which is our home. Toriel attempts to talk us out of it, but we are persistent, and eventually it leads to her stopping us in front of a door. And this is where we have boss fight numero uno toriel she puts it over as i care about you too much to let you go out there so i'm going to fight you to stop you
1: she stands in our way
0: she does and fires like fireballs at us and stuff
1: yeah it seems a little excessive yeah i mean attacking a child with uh with deadly weapons is is one way of keeping them inside
0: so at this point we should probably say that will and i are actually running two different sort of runs of this game if you like there are three options in total which, is, which are called the neutral run, the pacifist run, and the genocide run. I'm running the pacifist run, so at no point in this game am I to harm any other creature. I have to spare everything I possibly can, so I never really go near the fight button. So for this fight, I literally just had to go into my actions try and plead with her for a bit talk to her and then just keep blessing spare until she got bored basically
1: really okay okay i kind of in my head i thought that she just was she was going to be the one character you had to kill
0: <laughs> no no so yeah literally got to the end and eventually she's like you're just not giving up are you you're so determined and then it's like, fine, I'm not going to stop you. You can try and go. You clearly don't want to be here.
1: <laughs> I'm guessing
0: by the sunset then
1: that you just killed Toriel. I did kill Toriel. Yes, yeah. Oh, so <laughs> James was going for the pacifist run on this. I kind of initially stated, then thought that I was going to go for the genocide run. But there's certain actions in the game. I I just I found that the game was drawing me away from being completely evil, and I just decided to run with it. So it sounds like I will most likely get the neutral ending now. Or at least that's the one I assume I'll be working towards from this point onwards.
0: So, I've got to ask them, man. Like, what happens to Toriel when you beat her if you get her to zero HP? Like, what...
1: She straight up just fades out. Like, you kill her that's and it. she just kind of disappears off into a spectral mist. She, like, says that... uh Uh, there's like not much animosity there or anything like that between your character and yeah she just dies and you are left with quite a feeling of of guilt there quite early on in the game and this is before you've even gotten really too deep into anything and straight away i was uh i I was getting these feelings of remorse and the fact that perhaps i wasn't going to be the full-on evil dude that i uh, expected myself to be on this playthrough
0: yeah i I can't say i blame you i can't believe you killed her
1: (laughs) I, honestly, lovely. I didn't Yeah, she was. I didn't I just didn't think that it was a possibility. She At made Apple, you a pie. I wasn't familiar with the acts mechanic, okay? <laughs> 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 fight is the first one that it ticks when you go into that thing. It wants you to fight.
0: <laughs> it doesn't oh, even damn.
1: literally, it doesn't even care so much about actions. It doesn't even finish off telling you what the word is. It just gives you three letters and ho- hopes for the best.
0: Oh, Why does
1: it have the whole fight word and not the whole act? action word i wonder could the game be guiding you down an early path
0: but toriel dude
1: <laughs> yes toriel goodbye toriel
0: that's genuinely made me a little bit sad
1: <laughs> i like how i started this before the session recording so I was like don't worry i didn't do anything too evil i decided to take the neutral yeah. path like literally the first thing i say is anyway so i kill our mum. i kill our our adoptive mum. <laughs>
0: yeah you kill literally the nicest person in the game Damn man, that's brutal.
1: So after the boss fight with our adoptive mother slash abusive kidnapper. God damn man. <laughs>
0: don't don't slander her name after you've killed her. You've done enough.
1: Don't speak ill of the dead.
0: At least she's still alive in my version.
1: So after finishing her off, we head through the door further <laughs> into the underground. It's worth noting at this point the way the story progresses from here is determined by our actions, with the storyline changing significantly based on said actions. With our playstyles chosen, we set out on our way through the first main area of the game called Snowdin. 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 Uh, as you'd imagine, it sounds it's pretty self explanatory. does what it says on the tin. It is a snowy area. And they are, I mean, the uh, the inn in the area is also called Snowdin Inn. I like yeah. that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a pun, isn't it? Very good use of language. They're good. In this game, They're good. The round, writing in fair. this game is fun. Gotta yeah. say, yeah. As you mentioned earlier, it has its own sort of style and humor, and this. Uh, Things like this sort of lead into it you know
1: yeah it's a very different kind of take on humor that we're not used to seeing very often in kind of more you know, larger titles it's something that i feel like for the most part you only really get with indie games of this flavor
0: and actually two of the characters that really sort of show this to its fullest the two characters that we're going to meet very shortly yeah yeah so as we're walking through the snowy area right we get stopped by a skeleton called sans And uh, the very first thing he does, I believe, is reach out, shakes our hand, and in his hand he's holding a whoopee cushion.
1: He's a prankster.
0: He's a prankster, a joker, he does dad jokes, he does one-liners. Hijinks. He's wicked. And uh, he's got a very, very distinctive voice in the game, which is quite impressive given that there are no voices in the game.
1: Yeah, it's all kind of just chattering sound effects, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. they also change up the music as well in the background between the two characters and that adds flavor to it as well quite a bit whenever you come up to a situation with the two characters that we're just about to discuss a bit of music always kicks in and it kind of almost feels like a sketch that you're entering
0: exactly and, it, and they are sort of like um a sketch double act really as well because after we meet Sans we actually then in the next area we meet the, the second character of this double act in a really great scene where there's actually a lamp in the middle of the street basically that's shaped exactly the same as our sprite that we can hide behind. It's, it's very very funny and the second character we meet is Sans's brother Papyrus who is personally my favourite character in the whole game.
1: He's enthusiastic about his job. I don't think he quite knows what his it's job not is even but his job. he is <laughs> enthusiastic
0: yeah and he's just so dumb in like the most charming way it's
1: very slapstick just how silly that character is and honestly with the background of the rest of the game it just plays really well
0: yeah and oh man this guy is great He's obsessed with pasta.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: And oh, yeah, just it's very, very funny, especially with Sam. He
1: tries to share a bowl of pasta with you, but unfortunately it's it's frozen solid uh, and completely inedible. So uh, yeah. that's actually one of the puzzles, I think, is that um, he has left you a bowl of pasta for you to eat so that it is a trick because it will stop you from progressing because apparently the taste of it is so nice that you won't be thinking about progressing in the game any further.
0: Yeah, exactly. So good.
1: Just silly things like that. It's great.
0: And like this whole sort of scene, he's trying to slow us down um, and Sans is sort of helping us,
1: but not really helping us. Sans is a very lazy character, isn't he? If he can get out of not doing something, then that's the course he takes. Sorry to cut you off there again, but a bit later down the line, you find two snowmen next to each other, clearly made by Sans and Papyrus. Yeah. Papyrus is like a kind of almost like an Adonis style statue where he's like, let's say he's been very generous with his biceps. Uh, Incredibly so. <laughs> and then you've got Sans's one on the side, which is literally just a pile of snow with the word Sans scribbled on it. Uh, exactly. Just to give you a picture of what their characters are like. Papyrus is this. Massive ego thinks he's the best at everything. He's a he's striving to he's be a deluded. royal guard, completely deluded about his own abilities,
0: but in the best way.
1: And then you have Sans who is spending a lot of the time kind of shaking his head at his brother, but he's also a bit of a prankster and kind of a bit of a lazy bum as well.
0: Yeah, just yeah, you can he's the sort of guy you can imagine just drinking in his like shack. Oh, definitely. But no, and then this is also encapsulated by this section, really, because for the most part, we're just going through puzzles that Papyrus is trying to set for us, but he either gives away the solution himself, or there's one where it's like random squares will be generated to give you a really tough route, and it just happens to give you a route like, that just goes straight across.
1: Well, yeah, it just doesn't work. His machine just breaks. Uh, that's another one as well, because he's reading out the rules, and there is maybe... Five or six, or even more different colors seven, of tile. Right, right. right. And he's telling you what each of them do when you stand on them. And you kind of think, all right, so the red ones I can't stand on. Okay. But then if I stand on the blue one, you're in water, then which has piranhas in it, but you're fine unless you smell like lemons. And if you stand on a purple tile or whatever, that will make you smell like lemons. And then there's also smelling like oranges as well. I think I've confused this. I think they don't like lemons. They piranhas do uh, like oranges yeah but you but, know the
0: sort of deal though
1: and you're thinking oh my god how am i ever going to remember any of this and then of course the machine breaks and you just walk straight across
0: i don't think it breaks i think it's because everything's random it just ha- the joke is that it just happens to randomly be pink squares which do nothing for, like, oh, right okay
1: i thought i heard some malfunctioning noises in the background i was yeah, probably just, you may
0: be right yeah. i just oh, that was how i read it i was like oh hell yeah <laughs> It just randomly did that just because it's papyrus and he's gonna have awful luck and sort of the other things we meet along this route, we meet a few mini bosses and basically all of them are dog related. Um, so there's one dog that's a guard dog in his shack and this is where we learn the mechanic that if one of the enemies attacks is blue, you have to stand still and it won't hit you. And he's sort of basically can only see moving objects, which is the gimmick. There's sort of lesser dogs, which are little dogs in armor that are just, they just want you to pet them once, then they'll go away. <laughs> there's... One set there's a pair of dogs who are in love, and they think that you smell like a human. So in my case, you had to roll in the snow, and oh really? Then you you smelt like a puppy, and then you just like then you pet them twice, and they're like, dogs can pet other dogs. This is mental. (laughs) And then you can spare them and leave.
1: So they have really developed the the alternative options outside. It actually sounds much more developed than the fighting is.
0: Yeah. It probably is man.
1: I assume that you still have to do the second part of the fighting which is the point where you are the different coloured heart on the screen needing to avoid the projectiles. Yes
0: between every single action or even just sparing you have to do their attack as well so that that's where We right. probably played the same game. Yeah. And then the final one that I want to just mention is then the greater dog which is just a hench body of armour with just a dog in it.
1: I like that at the beginning because it kind of comes out the snow at you doesn't it? Yeah. It looks like a little dog in the snow and then it stands up and it's just. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, so All good. with this big smile on its face like yeah i'm a big dog it's
1: like it meant to be like a little chihuahua or pomeranian or something like yeah, that i, I think. think it's a yeah.
0: pomeranian <laughs> or a husky maybe but and this one was ridiculous i can't remember the exact order but it was like beckon so it comes over to you that's right pet it once it falls asleep on your lap then you play with it then you pet it like three times i think and then you can finally spare it
1: i kept on going actually but maybe i'm getting confused with the previous fight but its neck keeps on getting longer it keeps on raising its head to get more pats so when you're looking at the character every time you pet it its head keeps on going and i got it to the point where the head had just gone out the screen (laughs) (laughs) and it said something like it's showing no signs of stopping at that point so i decided to Spare it. So I did have a heart in this section, and a couple of the dogs I did spare. However, the pair of dogs uh, I chose to summarily execute.
0: Wow, you killed the ones that were in love.
1: Yeah, well, I felt like it'd be cruel to just kill one of them, so I decided to kill both.
0: Man, you're, you're so schizophrenic <laughs> in this
1: round. I'm all over, all over really the place. It's really distressing.
0: <laughs> you killed Toriel and a, and a lovely couple.
1: I didn't kill the greater dog or the little dog. Oh, man.
0: Were you killing like any random encounters you got? Like Ice Hat?
1: Yeah, I was killing random encounters. It was it was kind of really... I was trying to keep with my genocide thing for the most part until you explained to me before we started recording that genocide literally does mean you kill everything. Yeah. But I was killing all the things that look like monsters, but I was trying not to... Toriel excluded from this, trying not to kill the kind of cute things. And to be fair, the pair of dogs are wielding axes, whereas the Doggo and the Greater Dog are just in armour. So I think that... That's fine.
0: Great dog has a halibut, doesn't
1: he? Uh, Ah, he was really cute, though. But those pair of dogs with the axes... Ah, they looked dodgy I didn't like, like them
0: smooching across the screen they're really sweet
1: they're embracing each other with axes in their hands as well though so it's it's very confusing
0: you're very confusing
1: I think that uh, they wanted to get into a cuckle type situation there because he was talking about sprinkling his wife's fleas on me so oh, really not quite I, sure I, what's I going on di-
0: I didn't get that dialogue choice right yeah <laughs> I just got you, you smell like a puppy are you a puppy and
1: things fine. like that fine yeah yeah we're gonna discover that the dialogue we got in the game is very different, I understand. Probably,
0: yeah. Oh dear.
1: Eventually, we find ourselves in Snowden Town, a monster village in the mountains. Here, we can restock on healing items, upgrade our weapons and armor if needed before continuing on our journey east. As we continue to head east, we end up caught in a snowstorm with only our silhouette visible. As we progress further into the storm, we are eventually stopped by another very familiar looking silhouette. It's time for boss fight numero dos, Papyrus.
0: No, and you're going to tell me you killed him.
1: Maybe not, James.
0: You said you killed all monster-looking things.
1: So I did with this boss fight. This was a weird one. I tried maybe like four or five times to kill this guy. He has a big old health bar. It was difficult. And then he was kind of like, ah, you keep on... So every time you lose the boss fight, he captures you and puts you back in a prison cell. And this prison cell is just in his house, in the village just across (laughs) the way. And every time you walk out of the prison cell, the bars are spaced so that a child can just easily walk through the bars. Again, like another explanation into the idiocy I love of that Papyrus. he just puts
0: you in his house. That's amazing.
1: He's he's built like a, a prison cell in there to keep you in there, but obviously the bars are just so widely spaced that you just walk straight out. And he's even like, I, I don't know whether he thinks you're a dog because there's a bowl of dog food <laughs> in there and stuff as well. And then the second time you get caught, he puts you back in there and then you find a note in there that says, oh, this time, like, you won't even want to leave. And then when you re-examine the dog kibble, it says that he's cut up bits of hot dogs and put it in there as well this time <laughs> So, like, yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. But anyway, after a few goes, uh, he eventually kind of wanted to be my friend. And I rolled with it. I, I, co- I liked Papyrus like you. I didn't want to see the end of him, and uh, I actually did spare him in the end, and we became friends, but I just walked off.
0: Sounds more like he spared you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that is very fair. Yeah, he did spare me in that situation, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, he let me go on my way.
0: Oh, fair. So, well, in which case we had... Pro- well, we, no, we definitely didn't have a similar experience. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so what I did, right, is... Uh, the first thing that you do if you're doing the pacifist run, or at least the first thing I thought to do with my options, I flirted with him, you know, because you would, wouldn't you?
1: I did notice that in the actions because although I was planning on attacking them, I was always checking just to see what the actions were because I noticed that yeah. they varied up for enemy. Very pleased to see flirt being an option for papyrus.
0: Yeah, particularly with his standing sprite. Yeah, it's the most yeah. camp thing you've ever seen in your life. It's wicked.
1: I gotta say though, I, I think I actually might have even tried to flow with him, and it said something like he was too busy fighting. Or something like that. What do you have to do to break him out of that?
0: Uh, that might be because you'd killed someone or something. Because oh, okay. Yeah, with mine, I literally, he was like really receptive to it.
1: I think I'd been mean to him before or something. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I think my friendship points weren't enough. He was not receptive at all to my efforts of flirting.
0: Oh, okay. fair. So for me, it was I flirted with him once and then... Yeah, and then for the rest of the fight, I was just like
1: having a chit chat,
0: having a little chat, you know. And uh, you know, the, the good thing about this fight is uh, you normally have a red heart, as Will's described there, and that means you sort of have free roam to move where you want. The first thing Papyrus does is he turns your heart blue, which weighs you down, and you have gravity, so it becomes more of a jumping game. The longer ho- the longer you hold the jump button, the higher you go.
1: He tricks me with that as well because he says, "Okay, I'm going to activate my special attack." And then he just sends a load of blue things at you and you're like, oh, well, this is very in line with Papyrus being completely ineffective. Yeah. You just don't have to move. And then he takes you by surprise and turns your heart blue, which I wasn't wasn't expecting.
0: No, and then uh, his basic attack is sort of you just jump over bones and avoid things. And there's some cool little tunnely sections.
1: But you have to time your jumps, whether they're low ones or high ones, given how long you hold the jump for.
0: Yeah, and at this point, I actually have to ask you something about doing a run where you gain EXP. Does your health go up? when you level
1: up yes yeah so the bastard
0: i'm so jealous of that (laughs) i had 20 health for the whole game
1: that was oh wow okay yes so that was actually something that i noticed very early on was is that clearly when you make the choice to fight everyone you gain both exp as well as lv and the lv represents your hit points and the exp represents your character level and and what I noticed is that whenever I did spare someone, you would get gold for the encounter, but you wouldn't get EXP. So you'd get your currency, but you wouldn't actually get your level up to increase your hit points.
0: So that that was great for me because it meant I could buy healing items, which, we which, you know, with level 1, 20 HP for the whole game, became a crutch towards the end. But thankfully at this point, I actually didn't find Papyrus too hard. Uh, I pl- have a misspent youth playing lots of games where you have to use weighted jumps to jump things through moving tunnels. So mm. I, I found this okay. Much much easier for me this was than a lot of the bullet hell style ones that have come before and will come after. <laughs> yeah. So having beaten Papyrus and thankfully spared him, both of us. Don't know. If, I don't know how this would have continued for me if you'd killed Papyrus. <laughs> I know you tried to. but...
1: Just hang up the hang up the headphones and close off the yeah. pod.
0: Is that just like Toriel and Papyrus? No, come. But having beaten him, the snowstorm clears and we can continue eastwards into a cavernous new section with what appear to be sort of gleaming stones embedded in the wall. It was really cool, this area. Sans is situated in an outpost, and near this outpost is a monster child who seems excited to meet someone. You have the option at this point to head to the snowed in restaurant Grillbees with Sans. However, you can just continue on to the next area of the game, Waterfall. And it's at this point I'd like to bring up something that I don't think you will have experienced in the run and probably haven't experienced the later ones too. Because I'm doing the Pacifist run, I obviously went and had a meal with Sans because Mm, mm. good times. And as I was walking back, I saw Papyrus outside his house. So I thought, oh, this guy's a legend. I'll have a little chat with him. And it turns out because I'd flirted with him in my run, and we'd had a really nice chat, and we were talking about going on a date and stuff, you can actually have that date.
1: <laughs> That's nice. You can make good on your offer.
0: Yeah, so I actually ended up having a little date with Papyrus. A little
1: candlelit dinner. Did you uh, lady in the trampet with some frozen spaghetti?
0: No, so it's really interesting what happens. He invites you into his home. Oh, jeez. And... You can sort of like mill about, you can look in his room and whatnot.
1: His weird pleasure dungeon.
0: And eventually it progresses and you get almost like a battle scene, but it's not a battle scene. Like you just basically like pick like all the positive options, just flirt with him and compliment. Stuff. <laughs> and you and you get like um his sprite comes on with a new outfit and like and eventually. Like, you Let can me say, slip like, into something more comfortable. Kind of, yeah. But he's like <laughs> he looks like um a stereotypical sort of rapper type with like a hat.
1: Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Like he's just
0: trying to be cool, and um, you have the option. He's like, I've got something a secret hidden on my person. And you, like, I went for under his hat. Cause it seemed like the most obvious thing, and he had a bowl of spaghetti under his hat <laughs> that he cooked for <laughs> us for the date. Um, he eventually friend zones us. But, uh, wow.
1: Hey, but he, he, like a gentleman, he cooked us dinner. Yeah, it's first. done
0: taste. It's done tastefully, and you know we are a child.
1: Yes. Also, the the whole child romantics with a with a skeleton is probably. The age gap there is probably quite significant.
0: To be fair though, like credit to the writers before we like get accused of accusing them of being pedos or something. It's done so tastefully that it's never really romantic. It's just all funny. It's all like a play date rather than a date date. It's just the way that it's worded is like date.
1: Yeah, there is some minor innuendo and stuff to make the yeah. gamer laugh, but you never really feel like it's being directed towards the never or, character anything like that. <laughs> or anything yeah, like exactly that.
0: Um, but yeah, so that, and that was just quite a nice touch. So I had that date. And um, interestingly then, from then on, when I was on my, like, you know, continual reset screen, there's this home screen, I had like a little Papyrus sprite on the side.
1: Oh, nice, no, just to signify that you went on a date with him.
0: Yeah, and that was cool. But yeah, so, you know, having had my date with Papyrus and feeling very, very, you know, happy and good about myself, uh, we move into the next area of the game, which i say is called Waterfall. So what did you think of this area, man? I've mentioned there that the uh, aesthetic was sort of underground cavern gleamy gemstone type things and a lot of the puzzles sort of followed suit.
1: Yeah, that's right. So one of the main memorable puzzles in this area, I remember, was there are certain glowing mushrooms in the game that you can activate and as they activate and deactivate, they kind of light up a path in front of you and you've got to slowly reconfigure that path to find your way onto the next area.
0: And the other one that I thought was of note was uh the very first one which is you have to drop seeds into a into water. And you have to get four in a row to so then they bud and you can get a bridge.
1: Yeah, but they and they do have to be specifically in a line yeah. sort of thing as well. Yeah, it, it's uh, take, no take a little junctions. bit of working out there. Yeah, no T-junctions, no no squares.
0: The other thing to mention is that as we walked into this area, we actually meet who is going to end up being the next sort of major character, if you like, after Papyrus and Sans. It's not really a meeting as such because she's throwing spears at us and trying to kill us. <laughs> but we do get our first glimpse into Undyne who is basically, at this point, just an armoured creature. Ominous as f***.
1: Yeah, it just looks like a dark, clad knight, almost.
0: Yeah, with like a glowing spear that she lobs at us.
1: So I was wondering in this section, just before I had that encounter, our good mate Papyrus phoned me up and asked me what I was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, funnily enough on that note about the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, though, he does say it's nothing weird, it's just that he has a good friend who wants to know what we're wearing, or something like <laughs> that. Yeah. And at that point, you can choose uh, to tell him what you're wearing or not.
0: Which hilariously for me was the manly bandana.
1: Same here as well, actually. I have the manly (laughs) bandana as well. So I was wondering whether if you didn't tell Papyrus what you were wearing, whether you would actually have that encounter or a similar encounter with Undyne, given that at that point... They might not know what you look like
0: yeah that's an interesting point i i was honest because it was papyrus
1: yeah no same here same
0: reasoning here <laughs> so it's just like yeah what's he gonna do yeah yeah I it am. sounded
1: ominous but i just feel like yeah
0: he was like are you wearing a bandana and i was like yeah i am yeah
1: he actually does call you up later and says that not betraying friends is really easy because he told his friend on the other line what they wanted to hear which is what you were wearing and obviously, you wouldn't be stupid enough to actually yeah. tell him what you were wearing because it was so obvious what he was actually doing. So, by that charm, he avoided betraying you as well, I guess. Exactly. Kind of.
0: <laughs> and I was just like, whatever helps you sleep at night, mate. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. you literally see him talking to
0: Undyne at the top on the screen. He's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. there, mate. He's there. <laughs> yeah. Look. Great character. I love
1: it. Sure, I mention at this point as well Papyrus doesn't speak in this game, he screams the entire way because all of his text is just in like double Cats. sized font capital letters compared to everyone else and it's all kind of shaky as well so it's definitely i'm i'm sure he's just screaming at you the entire time
0: love him so much he's great many would say that they prefer sans but i'm i'm a papyrus fan <laughs> what
1: i the papyrus is like the dog the lovable dog and sans is the kind of the cat the cool calm cat
0: yeah i know what you mean yeah i can i can buy into that we head through this area solving puzzles and such and at random intervals meeting up with the monster child from previously, the one that was excited to see someone. Turns out that someone's Undyne. He's just a mega fan.
1: He is constantly face planting. He's great though. He's, he's a very cute sprite. Good developed character there.
0: And because he's a child he's wearing a striped shirt like we are.
1: As all children do.
0: Exactly. And along the way as we're sort of progressing through this area Undyne is constantly trying to capture us seemingly obsessed with capturing our soul to give to her king. Uh, which at this point Has no context whatsoever. Just sounds very murderous, doesn't it? So we avoid various spear area of effect attacks before eventually being cornered on a jetty. And at this point, Undyne uses her spear to collapse the jetty and we fall into the sewers, landing on another patch of golden flowers to cushion our fall. Very convenient.
1: These golden flowers are placed very conveniently.
0: Yes, I wonder if they have any significance to the storyline whatsoever. Probably not. So at this point, we walk through um, another tunnel, sort of seemingly leading out of these sewers, walking past some hilarious sort of trash items that you can like interact with and then just get like a funny little line of text and uh we come to our next mini boss which was actually really unexpected to me so as part of the tutorial toriel has us talk to a dummy that's right to just like show the act f- um sort of mechanic off yeah
1: hey by the way you don't just kill everything
0: <laughs> exactly I And mean, then you killed her you you bastard <laughs> And I don't know about you, there was another dummy there, and I saw it knew what it was, so I just completely ignored it. I didn't even track that. I was like, "Ah, oh, sweet, there's another dummy there. It's in the trash. That's jokes. And as you try and walk through the door, this dummy comes to life and gives oh. you know, this big old story about how his cousin had like been talked to by a child, and it actually made him like escape the dummy and pass on to another form or something. So he was pissed, and he got mad at us.
1: That's interesting that he activated as you walked out the door. My character went up to it and like I picked the option to just give it a punch because it, you know, it's a dummy, uh, yeah. and then it was sort of like you reacted to that instead.
0: That yeah, that's yeah, different strokes. I think you had to get this fight. Yeah.
1: Okay. I was wondering whether that might have been a skippable one.
0: Yeah. Noël, well, got out my it's confirmation. Not. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this mini boss is actually worth mentioning because you sort of get to his mini game bit and you can't actually fight him or directly attack him. You have to get his projectiles, which are homed onto you. And make them hit him. That's right. Interesting mechanic.
1: That was the way I did it as well. Yeah. It seemed like my attacks were mostly ineffective. And it seemed that this is kind of a a bit of a late mechanic at this point. Because I guess I want to say we're probably about a third of the way into the game at this point. Uh,. That's maybe just fair. a little over referred i think that this uh dummy he reveals to you at some point that he's using magical attacks and he makes it pretty apparent that he's only vulnerable to magic attacks so you just use his own weapons against him
0: but i thought it was just quite a neat little story boss this
1: yeah yeah and and again another cool way of changing up the mechanics yet again in terms of what you have to do to avoid and attack enemies
0: yes which i was actually quite thankful for because i've got to say to begin with i found this game quite hard to get into because it was very simplistic. It is. So it's yeah. like if this is the whole game like this is really boring basically but we're sort of getting to the stage now the papyrus fight was really the first proper fight where i was like okay this is there's some cool mini games going on here that this aren't isn't going to be easy. an easy ride yeah and then now like this one as well was like this one was a bit more bullet helly like there were some bits where it was like okay i really need to be on my game here to avoid everything and worth noting a lot of the enemies the mini bosses and bosses especially they got big health bars and you know or you have to act or spare them for quite a few turns before you finish the fight so there's a lot of time for them to kill you
1: you have opportunities to buy improved weapons in the game from various weird looking merchants that you bump into as well Uh, i assume you probably weren't engaging with that very much given that you would never use the weapon
0: no i only use stuff i found
1: so having beaten the mad possessed dummy we continue on to the next area where we begin crossing a wooden bridge towards the next area At this point, we meet the monster child once more, and after a short chat, he runs back across the bridge excitedly, but in his haste, he falls off the bridge. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh Oh yeah! Clinging on for dear life, he calls out for help, and we have a choice to make. We can either save him or just walk off, escaping to safety away from Undyne.
0: And naturally being the pacifist, I ran straight over to help this guy. He's been the cool little sort of not quite friend but a little companion to sort of join us. Yeah like.
1: he's been kind of helping us along in our own way keeping our uh, resolve high.
0: Yeah exactly he's, he's a good lad and because I thought you were doing Genocide Run I was really looking forward to seeing what you did here because <laughs> I didn't know what the other option was I didn't know if you would sort of get something different or if you could let him fall <laughs> Whether the
1: game would let the kid die basically yeah. whether like it would just I don't know Undyne would suddenly save the kid instead
0: Yeah I didn't know what that was going to be but what did you actually end up doing?
1: Well on Unfortunately, I can't tell you what the other side of the coin looked like in this one, James, because uh, I'm not completely heartless. I did not, unfortunately, let the child die. Oh. So you know,
0: <laughs> I'm pleased, but it's very inconsistent.
1: You're, you're pleased by my uh, kind of my my tick towards morality there. However, yes, I, I do agree. This has been basically uh monster people other than papyrus get wrecked dogs and children are saved
0: i can't blame you for not hurting the doggos because their sprites are adorable
1: and toriel toriel got absolutely teabags as well no
0: you teabagged your mum
1: stepmom james stepmom there's a difference (laughs) haven't you
0: seen the internet yeah i've seen like all that
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah 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 i've seen all that (laughs)
0: oh dear but no so well that's great that we both saved the child um so then i guess we progressed into the next area because at this point Undyne sort of looked at well they certainly looked at me and just sort of walked off the other way so oh yeah you saved the child i'm gonna let you have a little breather real quick because not long after that we do get into the Undyne fight and this was the first fight where i sort of got like okay i really need to focus have healing items in my inventory constantly and be on my game
1: 100 percent Oh, man, I was smashing the pies for this boss fight to get that health back.
0: Yeah, man, yeah. I I only had, like, three or four healing items, so I had to be on point. Because even with, like, the sort of pacifist options, like, I don't know how you... Did you... It's probably worth asking, actually, first. Did you fight Undyne? Did you kill Undyne?
1: I did fight and kill Undyne. I did. Uh, This was a, a, a pretty straightforward choice to make seeing as that this person had been constantly hunting after me and uh, yeah i didn't really didn't really toss around this decision too much before i decided to just go ahead and fight her
0: yeah and you see logically speaking i don't blame you but being the pacifist i had to do this and really there wasn't a great deal i could do i found myself just sort of m- running my wheels until i finally got the flea option and then you run away but then in the physical overworld you have to run away as well and she chases you but she still catches me like four times
1: fine fine
0: and uh eventually i didn't actually end up killing her what happens is you end up getting towards the bridge to the hotlands and now you may have seen this as a water cooler yes yeah in that area her armor gets so hot that she passes out and faints Oh, okay and what you have to do is you have to go to the water cooler grab a glass of water and give it to her straight away And then she just walks off.
1: Right, that was what the water cooler was for. That's what the water
0: cooler's for, yeah. Uh,
1: Okay, because I just walked into the next area and it said that the water evaporated and so did the cup. Somehow. But, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Because if you're holding a water, yeah, because I tried to take it to the next area too and it said exactly that. And I was like, "Huh, that's jokes.
1: So at this point in the game, the child that we saved has sort of mentioned to us and we're getting a slightly different perspective on things. It does seem that the child, at least, refers to Undyne as the hero that's always trying to save people. So it does seem quite a confusing juxtaposition against Undyne, the one that is hunting a small child using spears. But
0: it's really just because she's head of the Royal Garden is being loyal, it turns out. That's right. Because uh, after this, I saw her walk off and I thought, you know, I should go see what's up there. And I actually ended up, when I sort of backtracked a bit, I ended up going finding our house and Papyrus is there.
1: Ooh, what's Papyrus doing there? Is this where you got turned down? No, he's there
0: to train with... Undine, yeah, because he wants to be in the royal guard, and she's captain of the
1: royal of course, guard. course, yeah, it's one of his main aspirations.
0: And he convinces me to come into her house with him. And this was one of the funniest things, and this is one of the reasons I love Papyrus so much. He basically challenge Undine's like I could never be friends with a human, and he basically challenges her and says, "Oh, I bet you, I bet you c- couldn't do it even if you wanted to." And therefore, Undine tries really hard to be our friend because <laughs> she's so competitive, but. To get out of it, papyrus like literally just for no reason he's just like, Oh yeah, I know, I'll leave you guys to it by and just like jumps through her closed window, (laughs) smashing the glass. It's just like, mate, the door's right there. And it's just so funny.
1: Classic papyrus.
0: And that's actually just before she starts saying, Anyway, I don't think I can ever be friends with a human. Then he comes back, pokes his head through the window, is like, Oh, I bet you can't do it anyway. And then just walks (laughs) off. So good. And you end up having a sort of play date with Undyne as well, where she tries to teach you how to cook. And it's great because she's just so aggressive with it. So I was being aggressive with it. And she's like, turn the stove up. It needs to be hotter. And it's just like, hotter! And you keep mashing A. And the flame just eventually... You eventually, you burn her house down eventually. Really? Okay. But she loves it. She loves it. And she's That's like, great. oh, that was so passionate. And you become friends with Undyne as well.
1: That's making me think there's a little bit down the line where you encounter a snail race part and you need to mash a button to encourage your snail to race faster. Well, the game doesn't tell you, though, and obviously what you think to do is mash the button as fast as you can, and if you do that very quickly, your snail, you'll notice it's slowing down and then suddenly bursting into flames. Yeah. (laughs) And the person says that all that encouragement was actually too much for the snail... And we actually encouraged it to kind of go beyond what it was capable of doing. And its best just wasn't good enough.
0: Yeah, I see. I got there and I didn't actually do the snail race because it cost money.
1: Oh, right. I've been kind of chucking little bits of points away just because this game is so fun. I'm I'm, I'm kind of happy to part with my shekels just to get a few extra kind of experiences in the game's humor.
0: Yeah, but you had more health than I did. I was spending yeah. all of my money on uh, health yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Like I had 20 health for the whole run, which for context is maybe three shots later in the game. Three, four shots. That's really last. tough, man. Well done. It's really tough. Yeah, it was painful. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a really nice little date. And uh, I also got a little undine on top of my papyrus on my loading screen at this point. Oh, yeah. nice. Cool. And worth noting as well, I, also, I never went on a date with Sans, but I had a little Sans in the top left as well.
1: Yeah, I wonder what you had to do to Sans to get that. Maybe, or maybe it it's just always, always there. there.
0: Maybe it's just the way yeah. you know, who knows. But, having beaten Undyne, we head onwards to the next area, which is called the Hotlands, which we're not actually going to get into this week because that is where we're going to finish for this episode.
1: Ooh, suspense and yet another cliffhanger. Will we
0: escape? Will Will kill any more cute animals? All this and more next week. So with that, we come to the end of this week's episode of Total Pod Mode. Thank you very much for sticking with us through our first outing into Undertale. It's certainly an exciting little world. Let's see if there's any more twists and turns later in the tale. Plenty of charm. Plenty of charm indeed. But if you've enjoyed what you listen to, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcast by searching for Total Pod Mode.
1: We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode.
0: You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode or one word.
1: Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. So with that, we leave you for another week. Listeners, take care. and We'll see you next time. Thanks very much, guys. See you next time.